0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Fontan with a Future podcast. My name is Taylor and I'm a medical student living with a single ventricle heart. Join me as I explain Fontan physiology, explore new congenital heart disease research, and share about my experience as a patient and doctor in training. In this episode, I'm going to talk about cardiac development, how we diagnose CHD prenatally, and what areas we still have to work on to ensure every child with CHD has a chance at life. Before we begin, the information in this podcast is not medical advice. It's important to consult your physician before making medical and lifestyle decisions that may affect your health. everyone. Welcome back to the Fontan with the Future podcast. I'm so excited to bring you another week of content and I'm especially excited about this topic today, CHD diagnosis. We have come a long way in being able to diagnose CHD before a baby is even born. Through ultrasounds, screening for risk factors, and genetic testing, we can determine a lot about a child's anatomy and what they might experience after birth. Before we start going into all of the imaging and tests that we can do, I first wanted to share a little bit about cardiac development. Embryology, or how a fetus develops in the mother's womb, is very complex. There are lots of moving pieces as the body slowly forms and takes shape. Fetal heart development actually occurs within the first few weeks of conception. If you can imagine, the heart starts out as a very long tube and it slowly starts to loop and turn around itself. Eventually walls form inside of this tube to create separate chambers which will eventually be the atria and the ventricles of the heart. During this time as well, Vessels begin to grow to create what will eventually become the superior and inferior vena cava, as well as the aorta and pulmonary vessels. By about five and a half to six weeks, the fetal heartbeat can first be detected. Sometimes it can be pretty quiet, so moms may not necessarily be able to hear it till six or seven weeks, but we know that that's usually around the time that cardiac activity begins. As I mentioned before, and as some of you may even personally know, many heart defects can be detected before birth. When we're able to detect heart defects before birth, this can sometimes help improve outcomes. Babies will be able to get health sooner after they are born, and there will be more time for families and doctors to make plans about how they best want to treat each child. The ability to detect CHD continues to improve as our screening techniques and our ability to image the fetus continues to improve. There are many reasons why a mom might be offered the option of higher definition imaging to determine whether or not her baby has CHD. For instance, if a mother has a first degree relative with a history of CHD, her child could be at increased risk of also developing CHD. Moms with certain health conditions like diabetes or who may have taken certain medications during their pregnancy like ACE inhibitors or lithium could also be at higher risk of having a child with CHD. In addition to all these things, moms who may have received genetic testing during their pregnancy which has shown abnormalities or concerns for genetic conditions, could also benefit from increased screening for heart defects. We know that conditions like trisomy 21 or Down syndrome has a higher association with having a heart issue as well. There are other pregnancy considerations like people who might be having twins or people who see that there are other extra cardiac defects on anatomy scans. For instance, if a baby is seen to have what we call an omphalocele or a defect on their stomach, that could also potentially indicate that they have multiple physical defects, including a heart defect. However, in spite of all these different considerations that we think about when offering moms heightened screening for CHD, the majority of cases of CHD really had no predisposing risk factors. For instance, for myself, there was no one in my family with CHD. My mom didn't really have any medical conditions or take any medications that would have raised concern for a cardiac abnormality. And I know many others share a similar story in which the diagnosis of CHD was a complete surprise and was really not indicated by any of their medical history, family history, or any other factors in the pregnancy. Because CHD can be so hard to predict, it can sometimes be hard for physicians to know when to offer advanced imaging. However, in moms who want to get advanced imaging or screening, we typically use what's called a fetal echocardiogram during the second trimester of pregnancy to get a really clear image of the cardiac anatomy. The fetal echocardiogram is essentially an ultrasound of the fetus's heart. As you can probably imagine, this is much more difficult to perform when you're trying to image someone inside of someone else as opposed to just imaging an adult or child. Ultrasound technicians try to image the heart at a variety of angles to ensure that they are viewing all the different areas of the heart that may be malformed. The most important view of the fetal echocardiogram is sometimes called the four-chamber view. This is when the ultrasound probe can detect the heart with each individual chamber visualized. This is kind of the stereotypical picture you might think of when you're looking at an illustration of the heart somewhere. There's also other views that are important to get as well. Another view called the outflow tract view is a view that can image the areas where the blood is flowing out of the heart, namely out of the heart into the pulmonary vasculature, as well as out of the heart into the aorta into the body. These views can sometimes be more challenging to detect. Depending on the positioning of the baby within the mother, as well as the mother's body, it can be very hard to orient the ultrasound probe in such a way to be able to see everything fully. When it comes to detecting CHD prenatally, there can be a lot of variety in the detection rates that we see. The most common heart defects detected are usually those that are single ventricle anomalies. For instance, babies who might have hypoplastic left heart syndrome or hypoplastic right heart syndrome are typically more easy to detect. When you have a nice four-chamber view of the heart, it can be pretty clear if there's one chamber that looks as if it's not functioning well or appears much smaller than the other chamber. However, there are other heart defects that can be much more challenging. For instance, if there's something like a pulmonary vasculature abnormality or some type of obstruction happening in the aorta or the pulmonary artery, this can be much more difficult to see, so there might be some questions about the accuracy of the imaging or these things just may not even be detected, period. There have been many studies performed trying to determine the percentage of accurate detection prior to birth. There are some studies that have shown that the detection rate of CHD can range between 22.5 to 65.5%. This is a huge range, and also it's not very, very high. You would hope that we were getting closer to 90 or 100%. However, the detection rate is a little bit better for those with critical CHD those babies who might come out with cyanosis like I talked about in my last podcast. This detection rate usually ranges somewhere from 36 to 80 percent. However, again, this is still a really broad range. Studies have found that there are lots of variation in detection. This can be due to lack of access to good imaging for some families, the differences in ability of each technician and also just the difficulty of navigating each unique fetal cardiac anatomy. It's also important to note that increased rates of detection can be seen at larger medical centers, where there are typically more resources, more experienced technicians, and larger volumes of patients. Most of these studies I've looked at are from North America and Europe, They examined data that is from the early 2000s as well as the 2010s. So, I must say that we have been seeing rates of detection continue to increase with each year. It's possible that future studies will show us that we've really been doing much better at detecting CHD. But still, given the critical condition that some of these babies can be in when they're born, it's so important to be able to detect all these conditions accurately. If CHD is detected prenatally, families may be directed to receive care at prenatal counseling centers. For example, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia has a prenatal fetal heart program in which families can discuss options with pediatric cardiologists, cardiothoracic surgeons, and other healthcare professionals to help them make decisions about the health of their child. Some prenatal counseling centers offer options for mom to deliver directly at the children's hospital so their child can receive immediate care right after birth. It's important to note that every CHD diagnosed prenatally must be confirmed after birth. Although our imaging techniques have come a long way, Performing an echo on a child after birth will give an even more accurate picture of what heart abnormalities they may have. Despite all of our efforts, there are still cases of CHD that are missed every year and must be detected after birth. Depending on the type of heart defect, children can present in different ways with different symptoms. Typically, in a child who may have a cyanotic heart defect, such as hypoplastic left heart syndrome, tricuspid atresia, or tetralogy of Fallot, they may be blue or cyanotic when they are born. There is a screening technique that is used in many areas right after birth to determine if a baby might have some type of cardiac defect. We will usually measure pulse oximetry or blood oxygen saturation levels, to see if babies are properly saturating their blood. To do this, we will usually measure their pulse ox on their right hand as well as one of their feet. If there's a large difference between these two measurements, or if both measurements are very low, this will raise our concern for a potential cardiac abnormality, and will lead to further interventions to ensure the child's health and safety. There are other signs to look for to diagnose CHD after birth as well. Babies with CHD may have difficulty with feeding. If you can imagine, pretty much the most strenuous thing a baby has to do is drink milk. Babies with CHD may be unable to finish feeding, may have a hard time latching onto a bottle, and may become very sweaty or blue when drinking. This, along with other things, can cause a baby to lose weight or fail to gain back their birth weight. Pediatricians sometimes classify this as failure to thrive. This essentially means that a child is not able to gain weight and grow as expected. If a baby does not already have the diagnosis of CHD, a pediatrician may continue to do farther workup, like getting cardiac imaging and other blood tests, to try to make sure that they are not missing anything. Sometimes a heart murmur can be detected in babies, but this can be difficult to determine. Some babies and young children have what we call innocent heart murmurs. There might be a little bit of a buzz just because of how much blood is flowing through the heart at a healthy, normal pace. However, some pediatricians may be able to detect when there is an abnormal heart sound and want to look for more imaging. Ultimately, every child with a concern for a potential CHD will most likely get an echocardiogram to determine if there is any structural abnormalities that need to be addressed. Interestingly, there are still some people that may go all the way through adulthood without having their congenital heart defect diagnosed. Most of these people usually have small defects, like a very small atrial septal or ventricular septal defect. If they're fortunate, these heart defects will never really cause any issues for them as they age. However, some small defects can over time cause some what we call cardiac remodeling in the heart, where we might see a thickening of ventricles or even a change of direction of blood flow, which can lead to later on cyanosis and other cardiac difficulties. Additionally, there's a very rare condition that can occur which might lead doctors to detect CHD in a much older adult some individuals may develop what we call deep vein thromboses, or basically blood clots in their lower leg vessels. Sometimes these blood clots can break off and travel to different areas in the body. In adults who may have an undiagnosed ASD or VSD, these blood clots can travel into the heart, cross through these holes, and end up in the arteries somewhere else in the body. This could potentially lead to a stroke or a blood clot into the brain, as well as blood clots in the vasculature of the stomach and intestines or other areas of the body. This is typically a very rare phenomenon, but people who experience this will usually get an echocardiogram and may uncover new information about their heart that they never knew before. I share all of this with you today to celebrate the milestones and the amazing things that we have been able to do when it comes to detecting CHD in the womb, but also to show you the ways in which we still need to improve our rates of detection. Each year, we improve our techniques in being able to detect cardiac abnormalities using fetal echoes. There have also been even newer technologies considered such as something like a fetal MRI, in which the baby's anatomy would be very clearly defined. However, some of these newer imaging techniques are pretty expensive and may not be necessary for every family with CHD. There's still a lot we need to learn when it comes to determining risk factors and knowing who to counsel about getting advanced imaging. It would be so nice if we could just give every single mother a blood test and be able to tell her definitively whether or not her baby has CHD. However, we're just not at that point yet, and we may never get there. I also shared this information with you today to emphasize the fact that even if we may be able to define a baby's cardiac anatomy, we still are unable to determine or predict how a baby will do after birth. A prenatal diagnosis may be changed or discovered to be much different postnatally. While we can make an assessment and plan to address the predicted cardiac abnormalities, we cannot predict or define a baby's quality of life or what abilities they may have. If you are a family who may have recently received a prenatal diagnosis of CHD, I encourage you to ask lots of questions, consult with many different specialists, and don't allow a doctor to definitively state to you whether or not your child will have a quote, normal life. These are things that we just cannot predict based on a fetal echocardiogram. I'm so grateful for the individuals who have dedicated their careers to developing prenatal counseling programs and medical centers That will assist families with prenatal diagnoses of CHD. I hope that these resources and imaging techniques will continue to grow and expand so that everyone may have access to them, regardless of where they live. With prenatal diagnosis, we can improve our planning and our approach to cardiac interventions to help these children, even with the most serious heart defects, have an incredible chance at life. If you're a heart warrior and know your story of when you were diagnosed with CHD, or if you are a heart parent and have a story about prenatal diagnosis, I would love to hear your perspective and what the process was like for you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Fontaine with a Future podcast. My name is Taylor, and I hope you will join me next week to hear more about CHD. If you want to reach out or learn more, Follow me at Fontaine with the Future on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again. Hope to have you listening next week.